morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Gina Killey for what has got to be our fourth or fifth annual Get Ready for HR Tech Conversation. How are you, Jean? I'm good, John. How are you today? I'm great. So I'm going to introduce you a little bit more than I normally introduce people. Gina Killey is the center of the cyclone in the HR tech industry. She's the place where the analyst and influencer community meets the real world. And this year, hopefully longer than this year, she is the chair of the Women in HR Tech Summit, which is the first half day of the HR tech conference. Um, Amazing woman. Anything more you want to add? You want to polish up your ribbons and... You know, you've said that well, and I am so excited to be chairing Women in HR Tech Summit this year. And as you know, I have a longstanding relationship with the conference uh, through the Devon Group, my firm's uh, work as their PR counsel. So uh, I'm passionate about HR technology, and uh, and this just brings everything together in one place. So, so why don't you tell me all about the Women in HR Tech Summit, first of all? You know, this is the third year we're doing the summit, and uh, I, in in programming this year's event, I went through our session feedback forms from last year very carefully to make sure that we were designing a program that was going to address our attendees' needs. And one of the themes that was pervasive in the feedback was that our attendees at the Women in HR Tech Summit are looking for content that they can't readily access in their own organizations. And part of that has to do with, of course, gender equality and um, and and the other diversity and inclusion issues that we grapple with in the workplace. So you'll find that our program consists of topics that are not playing in, for example, to, to Me Too. They are looking instead at business strategies such as running a pilot program when making a decision regarding an HR technology investment. Uh, We do, however, have some sessions that look at using analytics for gender equality or women and financial wellness uh, and also climbing the leadership ladder. I think there's great learning that we can all derive from from our colleagues who have uh, taken different paths to advance their careers. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. And one of the things that's really interesting about HR tech, I should tell you about, I I have my fingers in six sessions. And in in those six sessions, there are a total of 10 speakers. And of those 10 speakers, seven of them are women. And what what that means is that the ranks of the data scientists and product managers in AI in HR technology are more gender balanced than I think they are anywhere else in the world. Usually that's an all male crowd. I agree. You know, I think historically we've seen technology be uh, uh, very skewed toward the male population. Uh, I was delighted in reaching out to to uh, my network of women executives and technologists to find that many of them were able to step up right away on topics such as AI and blockchain and virtual reality. And, and so uh, they are quietly out there working, uh, doing fine work. And, and so I'm delighted that they're going to be noticed and be on center stage uh, during the summit. 
And and what's astonishing as well is that in the very big um, broad scale provider sector, the majority of the people who run strategy in the industry are women as well. It's a it's a very um, uh, it, it's an easier environment for some reason to to be populated by women and keyholes. It's it's um, a, a nice difference from the rest of the world. Well, you know, I, I think that's great. So I want to acknowledge that that's great and that's great forward movement and and I applaud that that momentum. What frustrates me, and I, I don't know if you read, there was a, an August article in, in Harvard Business Review about this. What frustrates me is that I do see my my uh, colleagues, my women colleagues, not wanting to be noticed. In other words, they think they're going to compromise their, their likability factor, or you know, they, they perhaps are, are not willing to uh, step into and manage conflict uh, the conflicts that are a natural part of, of leadership. So um, a bit frustrated by, by some of that lagging, uh, but uh, very encouraged by, by certainly the skills and the depth of knowledge and the strategy that many of uh, the women who will be joining us at HR Tech have. Fantastic. So, so, so if I was going to this part of the conference, what would my takeaway be? Well, a big theme is data. Uh, you know, there was that television show, and, and forgive me, I'm 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 probably not up on my television watching, so I hope your listeners will forgive me. But I always remember that show CSI that said something along the lines of, "Well, the the data doesn't lie; the numbers don't lie." And when we looked at designing the program, that's exactly what we looked at. Uh, so you'll find that data and analytics are pervasive throughout our program and both our opening and closing keynotes. So we have the chief diversity officer of ADP as our opening keynote, talking about building a business case for diversity. And then our closing keynote is Jenny Dearborn, who is the EVP of HR at SAP. Uh, she's going to be talking about evidence-based HR and how data shapes the workplace. Uh, now, Jenny will also be distributing copies of her book to our attendees. So uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to say we're going to have uh, her book in the back of the room. So I'm hoping that many of our male and female colleagues will make sure that they drop by the summit and listen to her closing keynote. It's a it's a really interesting question. You you know when when I am digging into the AI stuff for for the the work that I'm doing at the conference, part of what I'm discovering is that the the very meaning of AI is that machines have opinions. That that what looked like a data story to me when I started digging last year um, turns out to be um, a design question and and what appears to be data what what we used to think of as data is almost all opinion now right so so you feed a stream of data to the machine and it processes it through a data model which is somebody's idea of how things work and what comes out of the data model is some sort of recommendation for you to do something but it's not the truth and it's not a number it's an idea based on data plus somebody's opinion embedded in the data model that may be useful and it may not be useful. So I, 
my sense is that where we're headed fairly quickly is into a world where what you have to do is argue with the machine. Well, I think you also have to look at the internal drivers in an organization and why they're looking to that data in the first place. Uh, It's been my experience throughout my career that oftentimes organizations are looking for data to support some sort of premise that they're looking to support. And and so the bias is there already. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think we're doing some very exciting things in AI and machine learning, but, but I don't think we're, I think we are miles away from where we will wind up because the, the bias is inherent uh, because people are either looking to prove a point or build a business case. And uh, so part of what we'll be looking at at the Women in HR Tech Summit is how you avert that inherent bias uh, through better design. So so that front-end process uh, needs to really be a strategic initiative. Well, you should be sure to, to, to tell everybody who sits, sits in those sessions about the Friday morning session where, where Heather Bussing and Kate Bischoff are talking about um, bias in intelligent tools. It, it would be a nice supplement to that. Nice Absolutely. That. Yeah, I, I'm excited that that um, Heather and Kate are going to be uh, uh, delivering that session on Friday morning. I know you're also delivering a number of sessions, and I think I think you're being a bit shy by not sharing some of that information on oh, our show well, this well, morning. So, so, so let me tell you about it because because I'm actually really excited. So the first one is um, on Tuesday afternoon, immediately following the Women in HR Tech. Uh, session uh, summit. Um, I'm doing this, the orientation. It's 90 minutes of how to find your way around what's available and, and how to set out the best strategy for um, navigating the conference. Um, then there's an intro to AI for HR leaders, which is, which, which is my sweet little starting place, and that's going to be Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday morning, Thursday afternoon. Um, Tuesday afternoon, I am having a conversation with an amazing person. Megan Butada um, is the head of a workforce planning function at Allstate Insurance. She's a librarian and runs a team, their, their HR AI team is five librarians strong, and they integrate data and software from a variety of sources to produce um, an astonishing array of output that helps people think about things from who should be in the next job to where do we open offices in 2010 or 2020. Then, um, uh, this makes it Thursday morning, there is a sort of a showcase. The most interesting companies in AI and HR tech, there are five companies that are going to do presentations about their work. And those, those five companies are Kronos, which is pretty interesting. They're an older company, but older companies have all the data. And so, so they can do very interesting things. Um, Textio which is a um, an augmented reading program that helps and writing program that helps with uh, uh, job descriptions and controlling bias in job descriptions. Ascendify, who are an integrated AI first suite for talent management. 
Bridge by Instructure, which is a performance management tool that is, that is coaching plus learning plus performance in its orientation. And the last one is, I'm going to draw a blank. Oh, my. I'll well, remember later. Well, as you're... As you're thinking on that, you know, you mentioned Chronotes, and I think that's very, you've made a very interesting point. Um, we have the VP of Product Management at Chronos, Jessica Griffin, joining us for the Women in HR uh, Tech Summit. She's going to be on our AI blockchain and, and VR panel. And I was fascinated by the Chronos story as well. Um, your point is well taken about the data stores. I, I, I think that from my vantage point, when I talk to startups and they start pitching me on some of their their solutions, that element of data, the, the historical perspective that a Kronos has versus a startup has, is really a key differentiator. It's, it's an interesting thing that older companies have a serious advantage. Getting data is impossible. I know a, I know a startup um, that spent $5 million figuring out how to generate fake data so that they could prove their algorithms. Uh, and, and that's the kind Ouch. of problem. Well, that's the kind of problem you have when you don't have any data, right? And, yeah, yeah. and you see things like, Companies with matching technology that they validated having 500, recruit, five, 500 recruiters look at 100 resumes, which is not enough data to do anything with. Um, mm -hmm. um, so, so, so the big companies are doing interesting things as a result. Um, and, and it's not at all clear that the sort of standard view, which is agile, younger companies with less bureaucratic overhead have a competitive advantage and can disrupt things in the absence of data, which is, with it, this is a new emphasis on data. Um, in the absence of data, they can't. Uh, so, yeah. so anyhow, I'm psyched about, I'm psyched about these things. The last of the, last of the, um, Sessions in the track is the bias in AI thing that Heather and Kate are doing on Friday morning. And so yeah. it's, a, it's a front to back look at all of the things that are AI. Now, you know, I, and, and, and John, you know, the, the conference is about to put out its new product press release next Tuesday. And, and I had the opportunity to go through. I think there are like 80 plus new products being launched at the show. And boy, AI is just pervasive. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, didn't crunch the numbers from a percentage standpoint, but, but clearly you are, you are on the, you know, the head of the arrow here. Well, it's, it's an interesting place to be. And I'm, you know, there's no AI involved. Let's, 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 let's start there. This is, <laughs> it's, it's conversational to say artificial intelligence, but this is mostly um, very complicated regression analysis and statistics, because all we can do right now with um, intelligent tools is go, oh, this thing over here is like that thing over there. There's no decision making. There's no, there's no nothing that that resembles intelligence. Just if you want to continue to do the kinds of things that you've been doing that have worked for you, then do this next thing because it's like those other things, right? That's what the machines can do yeah, right now. Probability. 
Yeah. yeah so yeah. so it it sounds like you agree that AI is is really embryonic. I mean, it's aspirational more than anything else at this point. I, well, well, so so it's so much not AI that it's it's pretty much obvious that it won't be called. We won't be talking about it as AI next year. So there are these there are these twin things mm. that are happening. Um, the 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 arc that says AI is the thing that's got eighty vendors competing with each other, all of them claiming AI and none of them having it is a credibility problem with customers. And at the very, very same time, the idea that machines can produce opinions and that every place where there's a decision, there can be an opinion, that's not going away. So we're going to call it something else. I like intelligent tools. I've heard assistive intelligence. A lot of people wrestling with what do you call this thing really. Um, And so the hype curve, the Gartner hype curve, we're at the top, top, top of the cycle. And what happens Mm -hmm. after you get here is it crashes into disarray. And so so this this is like what happened with big data. It was on the tip of everybody's tongue and then it went away. And it turns out that a lot of the stuff that's being marketed is really better understood as big data than AI. Because it's... Mm. Take a whole big chunk of data and some analytics and some predictive analytics and turn out recommendations and suggestions and opinions. Right? That's based what you on got. patterns. Based on based, patterns, uh, exactly. Based on, based on patterns, yeah. That, that's very interesting. So, so it's. I, I think when we do this show next year, uh, I, I definitely want to put this on our list to revisit in terms of oh, great, you know, oh, was AI a misnomer. So I'm going to get held accountable yeah. for my forecast. <laughs> you will. You will, sir. You know. You know how I roll. <laughs> well, I think that's. I think that's a really interesting thing because we're going to have to start holding our machines accountable for their forecasts. Yes, isn't that true? Yeah, right. and, and what do you think of this proliferation of chatbots, all with these catchy names? What is your take on those? Um, you you know, I, I believe it was ten or fifteen years ago when I could call up someplace and get routed into a decision tree to move me through the phone messaging, and that's what most mm-hmm. of them are. It's it's it's. Yeah. It's a little bit of a little bit of voice technology overlaid on very old stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The so there's two kinds of chatbots, right? Chatbot A is it co- it calls out and it does things like screen you, so it can ask you ten questions, yes or no answers, and those ten questions with yes or no answers determine whether or not you're qualified to do the thing. And then there are the kind that you call into. Um, and when you call into them or, or dial into them or chat with them on the website, um, they take you through a body of knowledge somehow. And the, the sleazier of the vendors claim 97 or 98% accuracy, but what they mean when they say that these, these tools are 97 or 98% accuracy is the tool can only answer about 80% of questions. And then they have mm. some way of deferring, so they might point you at a piece of content. They might do a range of things when they can't answer the questions, and they are they're designed to produce the opposite of what they claim. They claim better candidate experience or better employee experience, 
but they're only about 80% accurate. And then they have finesse on the other 20%, which means you go through the whole process and you don't get your question answered 20% of the time. Um, now, um, everybody's, everybody's in a rush to get this stuff done. So nobody's actually looking at measuring satisfaction and there are no case studies to prove that, that there is an actual improvement. Uh, but the claims are big. The claims are big and, and the technology simply isn't there yet. You know, you mentioned measurement of satisfaction, and I, I think the measurement is actually cost savings. You know, I, I think that that we will have, we will see some of the analyst firms doing reports on customer satisfaction, as we have seen that that's the typical trajectory, but but we're not there yet. And uh, I'm I'm kind of smiling at this end of our conversation, thinking about how I was screaming representative into the phone for almost 23 of 25 minutes yesterday with my internet service provider. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a cost saving and obviously I'm a relatively technology savvy, uh, consumer, but, you know, I, I shudder to think when you do have someone who perhaps is a job candidate in, uh, you know, for a, 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 a truck driver role and and doesn't necessarily have ready access on their phone to start you know looking at 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 their internet browser uh and and accessing some pdf or something yeah i think i think we're in the rudimentary stages we are in the rudimentary stages and and i got to disagree with you i don't think there's a cost savings here really interesting nope. you don't nope. think that there's a labor cost savings Absolutely not. Don't I, I, I don't. I don't think AI replaces jobs for the most part. Um, Interesting. Um, what What I see is this is a race, and, and this stuff is going to be in every bit of your software, and your workforce is going to demand that you have this capacity in your tools. It's going to be in your Microsoft Outlook. It's going to be in your Word. It's going to be in your Excel. It's going to be Everywhere that you look, this technology is going to be there. And if you're not on top of it, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You're completely screwed. It's coming fast. And so so what's going to happen is you buy stuff now, and it's going to be outmoded in 18 months. But the reason you buy it now is because you got to get in shape. This is like losing weight for the wedding. There's no ROI on losing weight for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Well, there is a there's emotional ROI when you look at those pictures. Let me sure, tell you. sure, exactly, exactly. That'll be our new calculation: the EROI. Exactly. You know, we we have a name for everything. I mean, we have we have emotional IQ now. So so yeah, I think we need emotional I, I ROI. Think just, I think we just got rich. The EROI. <laughs> See, What's that's your what's great about our conversations, exactly. <laughs> we always come up with something new, don't we? <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so really, I, I, I encourage people to not, to not sell this stuff based on the return because you don't know how expensive it's going to be to actually make it work. And because this is a, a universe where vendors are accustomed to SaaS management techniques, SaaS management techniques means abandon your customers. Um, and mm-hmm. so you install this stuff, and then you've got customers who have to try to figure out how to actually make it work. And 
and the cost of managing this stuff isn't isn't talked about very much and the cost of the cost of solving the problems that it creates and it will create problems um is is not accounted for anywhere and that's that's where the money will get that's where any roi that you might have gotten out of this stuff is going to disappear because this is just prep this is like you got to be on the freshman team before you can be on the jv and um everybody's going to want to be on the freshman team two years from now so you got to do it today when it's easier to get in yeah, yeah. I, and I think you've touched on something interesting when you talk about the problems. So so potentially, you know, as we look, let's say, three to five years down the road, we might have a new breed of, of consulting firm that is, is unraveling some of the problems that create were created by going down a path uh, that perhaps was single-threaded and, and led by, by artificial, you know, in quotes, artificial intelligence. So I think we're in for some interesting times. Yeah, so 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 just to come back to the conference now, um, this there are more rings in this circus than I've ever seen before. So there's a there's a stage in the expo hall that has um, pure um, HR tech content. Um, there are there's a pitch fest that has thirty companies over the course of three hours pitching their products yes. with a big final session. There are tours you can sign up to get to have somebody help you find your way through the um, expo hall. There are 11 tracks with 60 sessions in them. This is, this I is, think we might be up to 75 sessions, actually. I, forgive me, but I, I think that's the, la- the latest number I heard. So, yeah, we're, we're even more than, you know, bigger and better than ever before. Yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing, amazing event, and there's no way to see it all. So, getting out the agenda and planning what you're going to do, or coming to the orientation on Tuesday after the Women in Tech conference, or there's a um, there's a taped webinar on the LRP website about how to make sense out of the conference. It's worth the energy to plan. Well, you're, that's great counsel, John. We also have a wonderful mobile app, and uh, so I would encourage our, our registrants to make sure they download the mobile app, which is invaluable. Uh, and, and if I could just go back to PitchFest for a moment, this is our first year of having the PitchFest event, and we got hundreds of applications to be considered. So winnowing down uh, the, the field to 30 companies was really difficult. Uh, but I think our attendees at the PitchFest sessions are, are, are just going to have be wowed by some of the innovation that's out there. It's it's very exciting. So I'll be I'll be praying for the ghost of Bill Kudyk to show up at that thing because getting ten <laughs> presentations done in a right there are three hour long sessions three with minutes. ten presentations yeah. in each. You have to yeah. you have to be able to shoot people when they go over there a lot of time. Well, and Bill Bill is so good at that. So perhaps I know he will be at HR Tech. Uh, I'm I'm grateful to say that that Bill always makes the event uh, a priority each year. Uh, I will have to get Bill and a hook and uh, and get him on stage so he can he can let people know when their time is up. Yep, he's 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 the master of the schedule in a complex presentation. <laughs> Absolutely. So. 
we didn't even start really. This was the, it was a, it was a great conversation. There's so much going on in the industry that that um, uh, maybe we sh- maybe we should find the time uh, a little later in the month to do a wrap up and and see what we learned at HR Tech. I think that's a great idea, John. You know, one of the other things, I, and I know we're we're almost at our close here. I just want to let your listeners know that we have a sold out expo floor. We have more than 450 exhibitors, and I can't think. I I just can't think of any event that you can go to and and see everyone who is anyone in this industry. So just from a community standpoint, uh, it's it's an incredibly vibrant event, and uh, you know all the right people are there. There's tremendous networking uh, opportunities in addition to the the uh, sessions, and um, and so I, I'm hoping that uh, that that expo floor also represents an opportunity for people to fast track some of their decisions in their HR technology spends. It's great. This is this is a real live trade show. And and that means that what you get is a very big opportunity to look at a lot of product and understand the dynamics behind the products and talk to the people who make the products. Absolutely. Yay. So thanks for taking the time to do this, Gene. It's been a great conversation as usual. My pleasure, uh, and happy Labor Day weekend to you. Ah, uh, yeah, and thanks, everybody, for listening in. Hopefully, we'll see you at HR Tech in about 10 days. Um, and if not, we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Gina Killey, who is the chair of the Women in HR Tech Summit, the CEO of the Devon Group, and the woman at the center of the cyclone in HR technology. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye now.